Welcome to the Hot Stove Society Show on Cairo Radio. We're here coming to you from the Hot Stove Kitchens, second floor of the beautiful Hotel Andra in downtown Seattle. If you don't know where we are, come to a staycation sometime. Hang out with us. It's a beautiful part of the world. The, the hotel is stunning, and uh, we're fun, and we have delicious <laughs> restaurants in the neighborhood. And you're one uh, block, you're, you're two you're blocks You're listening from the to us on Cairo, market. of course, and thanks for tuning in. Uh, we record the show on Thursday mornings from 9 to 11 right here in our kitchens, and uh, we invite you to join us. Go to hotstovesociety.com, buy a ticket. You get breakfast and coffee. A lot of times, although it looks like the market folks didn't do it today, <laughs> a lot of times our guests bring treats for our listeners <laughs> and for our, for our in-house guests. Somebody didn't get the but memo. It looks like the chef from LaCoin uh, just is... <laughs> I'm here to eat. Oh, I see how it is. Uh, if you want to watch us, you can go to YouTube by tuning into the Tom Douglas & Co. channel. And if you can't make the radio show, we have classes right here at the Hot Stove. July 21st is Drink Like a Venetian with Bridget and Julie. And the 29th is Edible Art Colorful Pasta with our own Sean McFadden, our technical director and artist collaborator, Lars LaDuke. Uh, we're sad to say today is Pamela's last day of producing the show. Oh. Although... My guess is she loves us so much that when she gets used to her new job, she'll come back and do a guest appearance. Yes, a, please. Yes, will you do it? Okay. Yeah. And you've already started. You're new. You're the new executive director of the Pike Place Senior Center and Food Bank. Yes. Yes. Quite and an operation. This, this has been, uh, you know, part of your dream after leaving us was to do something where you could give back mm -hmm. to our community, uh, and your opportunity has arisen. And we're very proud of you. Thank you. Uh, matter of fact, uh, we're going to talk to uh, the philanthropy the director today from the Market Foundation and tell them how angry we are <laughs> that they have stolen you from our grasp. Uh, Joshua Delgado is with her here today. He's the chef of LaCoin, here to entice us to attend the Sunset Supper in the Pike Place Market. I think we decided yesterday what we're cooking at our booth. Oh, what are you going to bring, Tom? We're going to do um, a... We have a new uh, hot link going on at Etta's down in the market. Uh, so we're going to do a, a pork and pepper jacks uh, hot link. So right Wonderful. on the charcoal grill right down there in the, on the cobblestones of the market. It's my That's favorite right. charitable event that we do from a cooking perspective every year because there's something magical. Live chef. You fire. Know, live not fire just live fire, but on the street of the Pike Place sure. Market. There's so much history in, the, in those bricks yeah. that I feel like it just oozes out uh, during Sunset Supper. It would be Supper. like being in the Marais in Paris and cooking away. And, oh, uh, it's oh yeah, it's just like that. Just like that. Isn't it? That's just very the sweet. Same. Very sweet. Well, the Marais up kind of, uh, that's on the hill, right? No, it's, well, it's down, it's down, oh, it's down the from the hill. What is right. the one up on the hill? What's Montmartre. Montmartre, that's right. A Montmartre would be yeah. quite classic, yeah. Yeah. Well, we're sad to see Pam go. Sick of crying about it. Uh, for our uh, produce segment today, we're going to talk to some folks. The pain from, was very slow. Very short. Uh, grow for Charlie's produce. Uh, Stimitz zooms in from Wapato. Sherry Stimitz uh, from Wapato to talk stone fruits. Looking forward to that. Pamela did her best uh, expression of a peach on our show sheet today. So uh, very, very nice, crafty artwork. Thank you. You're not going to have time for that anymore. No, nope, no more art. A sweet and savory peach party. Uh, veggie Palooza. Oh, is this how we go out? That's how we go out. This is how we go out. We're going to talk how to cook vegetables of all sorts on your charcoal grill. Why not? I did a whole bunch yesterday, so yes. Oh, good you timing. You have some ideas for Fresh us. Fresh in memory. 
An ode to Salad Nisswab. My guess is that's your taste of the week because that's what you had up on Whidbey. They're not on Whidbey. Where, what are they? The, Hood Canal. Hood Canal. Point, no point. Yeah. Uh, and you had a, a beautiful Salad Nisswab. And it never gets old. I think a Salad Nisswab no, is I just... think I think it's one of my favorite salads. Exactly. Yeah. It's so and easy wanted... to make mm-hmm. and it's so delicious and so perfect. And you want to do substitutions that are local, like instead of the canned tuna or something, but sometimes you just need to leave the it. The classic. The classic. And, of course, we're going to finish the show. It's Pam's last effort. You did do the clues today. <laughs> yes? It's a uh, uh, veggie and fruit-themed trivia. <laughs> oh, there's another shocker. <laughs> Pam's last effort at Who's the next director thought. so we have meat? <laughs> yeah. Food for Thought Tasty Trivia, brought to you by Rub with Love Spice Rubs. I was trying to think of my favorite segment that Pam has produced in the time. How long have you been our producer? For a year and a half? A year and a half. Year and a half? Almost two years, yeah. It's a record. Nobody's left, lasted that long before. <laughs> now <laughs> I know mu- why. You must be really. <laughs> I have fortitude. You, would need, you need some psychological help. <laughs> um, but I can't think of uh, a particular segment because I think she's brought so much to our show over the year and a half. Uh, one of the things that Tina, way back when, when we first started the show, Tina was always intent on bringing a less chefy element to the show. Because right. sometimes you and I go off into a world that is not... Nobody understands. <laughs> well, it's just, uh, it's hard for the home cook to kind of grasp right. sometimes. And Pam is a fabulous home cook, and she was always brought that uh, kind of energy to our show, uh, where it balances out some of the idle chefiness that we have, the thing. And so we appreciate I've learned a lot from you, too. Have you? What have you learned? Tell us one thing. Hot pans. What do you mean? You started things in a cold pan? Hot pans. Yeah. That's a song. <laughs> it should be. <laughs> you would just put, like, a steak in a cold pan? Yeah. Wow. This wow. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I what? So, I am so glad we were here for you. <laughs> Did you actually turn the gas on? <laughs> and, and thoroughly cooking my onions. You know, because I'm, to, I was always in a hurry, uh-huh. and not that I always can take them to a caramelized state, but understanding how the structure of the onion changes as you cook it, and there's a difference between a burnt one and a well-cooked one. Yeah, there's right. a difference between burnt and caramelized, yeah. I understand, but there's also not really a problem with burnt. When well, you look you, at, uh, like, on a really hot charcoal sear, where you actually do burn the edges, it's just a different... Type yeah, of onion. I, I think there is good burn and bad burn. In general, it's almost, it's hard to burn an onion. Chef, do you have any uh, particular memories of Pamela producing just, our show over the last I'm, year? I mean, now? it's kind of like you. I, don't, I can't really pinpoint just one thing, but I think the overall experience has been tremendous. Thank you. And we're definitely going to miss you. Your creativity is awesome. I won't. She lives right down the street from me. <laughs> I'm going to see her all the time. I mean, as a director, you live of, across as the a director of the show, mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, it's, uh, it's, it's going to be a hard shoes to fill. We're going to miss you, honey. We're trying out, you know, some new directors. I'm going to take on the role of producing the show for the next couple of weeks. But <laughs> we have... <laughs> Come on, that's worth a round of applause. I love that one. That was hilarious. What, li- was, what was that guffaw for? She's definitely... Li- hey, Tom, I think she's definitely leaving. The way she laughed. Uh, yeah. Coming up, we're getting psyched for Sunset Supper. You're listening to us here on the Hot Stove Society radio show on Cairo Radio, 97.3 FM. Song. 
Sunset Supper is coming up right here on the Hot Stove Society Show. Patricia Gray is here, Director of Community Relations for the Market Foundation. Chef Joshua Delgado from La Coin Restaurant over there. I would say that's Fremont, right? It's kind of on the way up to Woodland Park. Upper Fremont. When I was there uh, first years ago, it was called the Buckaroo Tavern. When I lived on 39th and Bodoin, which is right down behind where your restaurant is. Oh, yeah. And uh, you've seen me there. I love that little spot. If you would just put in a TV, I'd be very happy. I'd be there much more often. Don't, Josh. We know we all have, a, you know, we had a long debate about that. And we're, Did you? We've gone. We've it didn't gone. seem too long because there's never been one there. Well, I guess <laughs> I guess what I should say is it was a, uh, a long discussion, but a short decision. I stand by your choice. Yeah. I, I You know what? It's uh, it's for for us. It's a. Uh, you know, you're, you're, you're in the restaurant when you're in the restaurant. On <laughs> um, Friday, August 18th, the Pike Place Market Foundation is bringing together 100 of the region's best restaurants, wineries, breweries, and distilleries for sunset supper at the Pike Place Market. Uh, one of my favorite uh, charitable event of the year when I'm cooking is the sunset supper because you live on those cobblestones. And uh, uh, we actually sometimes get a booth right down near our restaurants. Uh, and uh, with the charcoal grill going this year and our sausages, we're so excited to be part of this event. Uh, Patricia Gray, uh, tell us about what's going to be happening, the music that's playing. It's, it's an annual hoopla. Yeah, it's the event of the year. I believe this is the 27th annual Sunset wow. Supper. Um, the We've only been year- in all 27 of them. Have I been to all 27? No, I have. You have been yeah. to all 27, yeah. Tom. Thank you very yeah. much. Yeah, my vote. <laughs> nice. Wouldn't miss it. You know, it's chefs like you and Thierry who come back year after year and make this event really spectacular. Um, It's the one night of the year that we get to turn the market over from its daytime um, shopping market and invite in over 100 of our region's best chefs, wineries, breweries, and distilleries to put on a fabulous party. All the proceeds go right back into the market community to support services like the Pike Market Senior Center and Food Bank, as well as a preschool, a medical clinic, support for workers. We've got a small business fund now since the pandemic. Just a whole host of services that support about 20,000 people who live, work, and access the services at Pike Place Market. Yeah, people don't realize how big of a... It's like a mini city. I mean, 20,000 people is, is 10 times what's in my hometown. Right. That's, and, a, that's, a big, that's a big town. Yes. And that is the community, you know, who relies on these services in the market for support. Um, and that's just those people. I mean, just those people. The market, uh, I don't think people realize, is a neighborhood just like Fremont or just like Greenwood or anybody. It's an actual neighborhood with people that need those kind of services, food banks and senior centers, and ri- really rich people yeah, that don't need absolutely. anything. They just, yeah, have condos. and. I mean, we have billionaires, right, to yeah. seniors living on Social Security above the storefronts, yeah, exactly. you know, who are all part of the place, and they belong there. Uh, we all belong at Pike Place Market. We also welcome people from all over the world, mm-hmm. you know, who travel to see Pike Place Market. Right. If you just watched the All-Stars game this last week, you'll see a lot of Pike Place Market going on. 
uh, at, at the All-Star Game, and it's because it's the heart and soul of our city. So Absolutely. Well, Tom, did you hear they actually rolled out the red carpet down those cobblestones? Yes, I, did. I, saw I saw that. that. I thought that was a shame, honestly, only because the cobblestones are what's awesome about <laughs> it. And then they covered them up with plastic carpet. Come it on. Looked, it looked good, though. Oh, it yeah. Was yeah, it's the only way those stilettos would make it down the cobblestones. Yeah. I mean, the fashion was popping. Yeah, that was, was really... There was a gold lame dress that I was lusting after on one of the wives. It was really cool. It's like, this is not Seattle, but this is amazing for this one moment. Yeah, for this one moment in time. Uh, you know, uh, staying on the market for one thing, and I'm just going to put my vote in right now. Do not let them take the cars out of the Pike Place market. It's, it's, uh, I've been here longer than you. I was born. I was in the market before you were born. Uh, but it is part of the energy of the market. So if, you, if it comes down to a vote, got nothing to do with our segment. But if it does come down to a vote, I'm, I'm voting for keeping the market full of cars and playing dodgeball with the citizens of yeah. <laughs> the visitors. We know. I mean, there's many. You're going to get some email. Yeah. There's many different voices, right, in this conversation. And I think right now we're hearing from the public's perspective. But you're right, Tom. They're not hearing what are the impacts on merchants and farmers and the folks who live in the market, the people who access the services in the market. So doing a deep community-wide survey of the people most impacted by the use of that street, I think, is a great move. Okay, Chef, let's get into the real meat of the subject. Uh, from <laughs> LeCoin. Uh, uh, can, are... can I say something? Yeah. LeCoin. LeCoin. Is that true, Chef? That's, you know, that's how we opened up, but uh, we kind of had to go full American. Not, yeah, not a chance that's going to go. It was, it was like when I opened Luke, I thought, Luke, L-U-C, three letters, what, my dad, his name is Luke. I'm like, there's no way they're going to change that. The first week <laughs> was like, luck, Luke, yeah. luck. I was like, oh, my God, how did they do that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Joshua Delgado from LaCoin is here uh, from that delicious little restaurant over in Fremont. Uh, tell us about what you're doing, why you're doing it, and what you're making, and all that sort of goodness. Uh, well, you know, I think for, uh, for myself as well as uh, uh, my business partner, Jordan, who's, who's behind us, we, we have such a, just a deep appreciation for the, for the market. Uh, one, it's, it's just a... Super cool event, mm-hmm. you know. Like you were saying, being on the cobblestone, you know, the sun's going to set over the buildings, and it's really just a gorgeous setting. Um, but you know, just being a for me personally, like being a kid, we would go down there and go to Proshki Proshki and go to Sir Latab and just walk the aisles and just be down there. It was, you know, definitely sparked a, a culinary love from a very young age, and so being able to go down there with our own restaurant <laughs> and participate in a, in an event like that, not not only are there such wonderful services and, and, and benefits from it? But uh, just from a standpoint of, of enjoying ourselves and getting outside the four walls of our restaurant, it's uh, it's a great place to be. And then it bringing is. our staff down there, they get a kick out of it. And it's just fun to interact with, with yeah. all the guests and folks we've never met. And, of course, it's great for business. I think true, satellite, true Seattle Light really want to support the market, I think. Oh, absolutely. Meaning that, you know, it's the, like, like we always say, it's the soul of the city for us. Yeah. And for me, it's one of the reasons I stayed in Seattle, came from L.A., Went to the Pike Place Market the first day, and I was like, okay, I'm moving here. Yeah. This is the chef paradise. I mean, who doesn't want to have a, a market to walk by, shop, and go back to the restaurant and cook? I mean, that's like a dream. 
Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Joshua, what are you going to make? Do you know yet? I don't. I'm I'm uh, I'm kind of the type of person who who needs the pressure of the the deadline to, to Which really is this dial week, it in. you know, dude. It's, it's tomorrow. Yeah, week. it's actually tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. You know, so um no, My so God, what, you, love, you love pressure. <laughs> I know it, it's just, you know, it's how I've always operated, you know. It it keeps me it keeps me in line. But I I it what keeps I will people say, like Patricia Gray. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you get I, I will say I'm 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 very rarely late with it, but I do I do bring it down to the wire uh-huh. you know. 1200 portion to make i know i know well and that's part and that's part of the you know i will say and this isn't a cop-out at all but it's that's kind of like who we are and how we cook is like we're gonna see what we can get mm-hmm. you know what we're what we Closest feel like cooking possible, yeah yeah absolutely and then and then we'll of course like logistics will play a role for for 1200 portions and uh and so we'll, we'll make something super delicious. I, I'm certain of it. All right, Patricia, tell us again, how do people get tickets? Uh, when is the event? All that sort of goodness. Yeah, so the event is Friday, August 18th. It's celebrating the 117th anniversary of Pike Place Market. Um, tickets are on sale at sunsetsupper.org. Uh, as of yesterday, we only had about 60 general admission tickets left. That's out of 1,700 tickets. Mm-hmm. So... This Saturday wow. might be your last chance to scoop up a couple tickets and join us at so, Sunset Supper. And there's always plenty of food. I mean, there's 100 restaurants there. There's always Yeah, it's all you can eat, all you can drink. Live music, entertainment throughout the market. Uh, great sunset. Great party. Sounds and like great fun. Support. Pamela, are you going to come join us this year? Absolutely. Absolutely. You better, because we're supporting your, your okay. doings. <laughs> Put me on the grill. Sherry Steinmetz of Lateral Roots Farm in Wapato is going to join us in the next segment. Cultivating Roots on Cairo Radio. It's the Hot Stove Society Show, 97.3 FM. Understand, I'm gonna love you till the very end. Peaches, 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 peaches. All right, we're back in the hot stove kitchen on Cairo Radio. Everyone's eating, so they're not clapping. What the heck's going on around here? We're having a good old time. Remember, if you do buy a ticket, you get a nice, delicious, hot breakfast. Typically, it's a Spanish tortilla, beautiful ruby chard, uh, some delicious uh, chorizo, Spanish-style chorizo, and some toast. So good. Blueberry muffin. Made by Chef Annie. Made by Chef Annie. So come on down sometime and check us out. Uh, Our next segment is all about cultivating fresh, a segment that we're starting with Partners Charlie's Produce. Uh, and ourselves, focusing on eastern Washington farms, western Washington, just fresh produce in general, all sorts. And this time of year, there is a lot of it. There's a lot of it. Man, the cherries are so awesome this year. Uh, but we're going to talk with Cherie Steinmetz uh, from Lateral Roots Farm. She's a grower that uh, sells to Charlie's. And she's joined us on Zoom here this morning on Cairo. So uh, welcome, Cherie. Good morning. Thank you. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Tell us about your farm, and you're in Wapato, right? Yep, our farm's in the Wapato area, um, and uh, Lateral Roots Farm is the name. And um, we are actually fairly new. We uh, purchased this existing farm five years ago, so we're only about five years old. The previous owner um, was second, maybe even third generation at this farm, um, and has started a really, really deep relationship with Charlie's Produce 
um, that we have been able to continue um, after purchasing this farm. Oh, is the most famous thing you guys grow at your farm Pence peaches by chance? It is. It is. We uh, That was the previous owner I was talking about, um, the Pence family. And uh, they have uh, the famous Pence Peach over there in um, the Seattle area that you guys know the name of. And so when we purchased the farm, uh, the Pence family was actually family friends of ours. So uh, we grew up, you know, coming and visiting them and their farm. And, and um, when, when they were ready to retire, they reached out to my dad and um, had asked if we'd be interested in purchasing the farm. And all of me and my siblings said, of course, let's do it. And uh, the Pence family was very kind. Let us continue with trademarking Pence peaches and um, that verbiage as we continue our relationship with Charlie's Produce. What did you discover that was the worst part of farming? <laughs> Because if you've never farmed before and you say, oh, yeah, let's get into farming, that's yeah. what people in the city do. They just go, oh, that sounds like a lot of fun and <laughs> without any idea of what, how hard farming is. So when I, I mean, what's the worst discovery you had of that? The good thing is, is we all grew up around farming. So my dad is a um, fourth-generation hop farmer here in, in the also in the Lower Valley area. So we grew up on the farm. We grew up having to work at a young age and kind of knew what it was all about. So it wasn't anything new that way, but this is our first farm that we've owned. And so that has brought, of course, challenges. Farming isn't easy. There's a ton of things that go into it. The biggest thing that we encountered right away is, you know, weather has a huge impact on, on agriculture. And um, we've had some, some interesting weather patterns these past few years that have made what we think is going to happen Um, not reality. So our very, very first year we were farming, we lost our whole apricot crop uh, in a frost, in an early or a late frost season. Um, last year we lost about half of our cherry crop in the frost uh, season. So those are our challenges that we always have these, you know, these budgets. This is how much we're going to pick, this is what we're going to sell, this is our budget. You know, just like that, you know, half of your crop can be gone. So Those are things that we've had to um, really come to reality with and plan for and realize that we, we, we don't get to save everything. So Wow. Last week we had your Tom Cot. Well, Tom and Terry did. I didn't. I don't. So tell me yeah. what that is. That, that sounds very exciting. That's, our, that's just a variety of apricots that we have here. Um, and that's the only variety we have. Uh, a very, very delicious uh Uh, apricot, very juicy, sweet, beautiful, kind of really an unblemished, no blush to it, just a really true apricot color. Um, and that was part of the farm when we purchased it. So I believe that along with the Pence peaches, there was a lot of work that the Pence family had done in marketing these Tomcots with Charlie's Produce. And did, she, did you say, Sherry, what it, the exact cross is on those? You know, I, I no, and I don't know that. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm Because it's sure. like, if, you know, we were familiar with Plucots, which is a plum apricot cross. Right. Plucots, yeah. But I'm not exactly Plua. sure what a Tom... Plucot. Yeah, yeah Plucot. A Tomcot is just an apricot. It's not a mix with anything else. Like a Plucot is a plum, apricot. Aprium is a, a apricot and a plum. Mm -hmm. um, the, but the Tomcot is just a true apricot. Yeah, they just gave it the name Tom, probably from somebody, right? Tom Douglas. Yeah, just, yeah, it's just a variety name. It's just a, yeah, just a variety. Probably Tom was the guy that, you know, bred that apricot. Sherry, <laughs> tell us a little bit about the economics of uh, working 
a farm these days. Uh, it seems to me that uh, you know you got a big wholesaler like Charlie's, uh, but when you sell to a wholesaler, you have to sell at a certain price point so that he can turn around and sell to different grocery stores and still make a, a profit. Uh, and yeah. then you've uh, got, I would imagine, a little bit of local distribution or other avenues of distribution. What's the economics look like in the mix of how do you um, how you sell your crops? Like, is it percentage wise? You do fifty percent wholesale, and then the rest of different avenues. Can, can you share that with yeah, us? Yeah, it is probably. I would say working with Charlie's wholesale, probably seventy five percent of our crop uh, is wholesale, and then uh, we are unique here in the fact that. All of the fruit that we grow, we we harvest it and pack it in the field. So we're tree ripening our fruit. Um, so with that comes a lot of ripe fruit that we can't ultimately put in a box and ship to Charlie's. Um, so we have what we would call like a number two box. Um, that's just riper or uglier fruit. And so we have a whole network of local uh, distributors, whether it's farmers markets or other small um wholesalers that come and will purchase that product as well straight from the farm. So all the fruit we sell is harvested, picked, packed on site and sold direct to the consumer or well to Charlie's the wholesaler. And sometimes it's hard for people to understand that you have to have these different avenues to make a whole. It's not unlike uh, having an orchard of peaches and an orchard of cherries and an orchard of apples so that if one crop goes south on you, you have something mm-hmm. else to back it up. Yeah, that's really important when you're setting up your farm and, and the flow and, you know, it goes all the way through to your labor. You know, how consistent can you keep your labor working throughout the summer? So this farm here, we have, uh, we start with cherries. Uh, cherries flow into apricots. Uh, we have about a week break between apricots and when we start nectarines and peaches next week. Um, our peaches will go from next week till consistently through all the varieties till about the end of September. Um, and we'll also have plums that come in there in late August as well. So we, when we start harvesting our cherries, uh, we are in harvest and keeping our labor flowing all summer long which also keeps your customers happy you're going from one product to the next it's easy to sell apricots when you also have peaches coming in so it's kind of a nice flow and and again yeah if you lose your whole cherry crop you have uh, apricots to back it up or if you lose your whole apricot crop you're you're busy with cherries so just trying to manage that flow uh from the economic standpoint all the way through like i said to keeping your 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 labor happy and keeping them around and um, having someone to actually harvest your fruit. Exactly. That's so yeah, important. That's important. <laughs> I was out yesterday at our farm, which is about 40 miles southeast of you in, in uh, Prosser, and nice. our apricots are about a week away. They are looking so nice. That's exciting. Yeah, it's this time of year is just beautiful in the valley. We, we grew up here. We love it. Um, you, you grew up in egg. I'll be honest, all of us siblings, we, we grew up working uh, in agriculture we said we were going to, you know, go to college and get education and move away and never come back and do agriculture. Um, <laughs> we are all in it. And, and it's because it's, you know, you realize you actually do have a passion for it. It's an amazing industry to be a part of, especially in the over here where we're at in the eastern Washington. We call it the lower Yakima Valley. You know, everything is growing here. I know everything is coming off. It's just a wonderful time of year here. Yeah, yeah. If you want to try some of Cherise Steinmetz's products from Lateral Roots Farm, uh, Charlie's distributes to uh, Met Markets, uh, Hagen's, Frank's in the Pike Place Market, Thriftways, Wajamaya, King's Market, Friday Harbor, amongst other places. So 
go out there and check out uh, Lateral Roots Farms. Thank you, Sharif, for joining us this thank morning. Thank you, Sharif. Yes, thank you guys for having me. Thank you. Right. See you later. One of our Bye. favorite ways to devour peaches. You're coming back with that on Cairo Radio's 97.3 FM. start but we're catching up here it's peach perfection time sweet and savory uh pam what did you what was your intention here uh other than you know i like to talk about the time that i walk up to the peach tree in the garden 90 90 degrees out you pull a peach and it just drips down your arm i know that you, is, you, you don't get peach perfection like that any place else no no you, but once you have you're in trouble yeah it's hard to go well, back you it's you're not in trouble but you do recognize like Wow. Wow. This is what it can be. And of course, I love peaches in, in all sorts of ways. I even like my mom's uh, spice peaches. Well, that's what we want to talk about. What's a spice yeah. peach? Uh, canned peaches with <laughs> cinnamon. cinnamon. That's called a spice peach? She always served it with her turkey. Yeah. Pickled beets and spice peaches. Pickled Don't beach. be so judgmental, Chef. I'm not judgmental. I'm listening. I'm, I ever, I'm, look at you. I'm not judgmental. Look at my mom. I've had canned peaches. My poor canned mom died a year good. ago. She gave me that stove. Canned look peaches at, can look be at good. you looking down on her. I was not. God. <laughs> you're so judgmental. I was not. Uh, so tell us about your inspiration for peaches. Well, because we were talking to Cherie, yeah. and it's peach season, coincidentally, the news has been talking about the comeback of cottage cheese. Which I love. Mm-hmm. Many people don't, but the classic. Who would that I, be? I was grow- growing <laughs> up was peaches, cottage cheese, black pepper. Mm-hmm. That was kind of the big treat. Wow, that's our- pretty radical for a family like uh, the type of food that you grew up with. I know, I know. Fresh peaches and black yeah, pepper. Yeah, wow. My grandma had some uh, peaches, huh. so that's very cool. But then. Um, I have also been hankering after a peach pie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jackie makes it with black pepper. There's something I about do. the you do. Yeah. There's something about Thanks the sweetness <laughs> and the spice with yeah, the peach black and pepper. pepper. Cracked pepper is absolutely fantastic. Yeah. yeah. I think it's a great combination. It's one of those that came out and everybody was like, "What?" And then you try it and you go, "Ah, that's that's it. gonna stay." Chef, I think I invented it. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. Me too. Oh, I think, think I invented, invented it too. It also? Okay. That's good. So here's the thing about peach pie. That uh, just to clarify for me, I hate it when you make a peach pie, and uh, like Jackie and I argue about this. Jackie's my wife, by the way. She likes to plan the pie so that it's about ready when it's time for dessert. I like to bake the pie that afternoon and let it set and be ready for dessert. I'm with you. 
Yeah. Because if it's, it's, way, if it's, it's just way soup, too, if it's yeah. if if you cut it when it's hot. Yeah, I'm 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 a little bit settled in too. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, are you tapioca starch, or are you arrowroot, or are you cornstarch, or are you flour? I don't bake. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, well. <laughs> I would go with arrowroot. Arrowroot. I like arrowroot. You're not in. <laughs> She's not. I'm not even listening to her right now. I'm not. I don't I, bake. I don't bake. <laughs> I buy, I buy it. So, so why when arrow? When you buy it, what do you what? like about arrowroot? Because what I don't like about cornstarch is it gets too glossy and too. F- it looks like it's from Denny's. Well, I think arrowroot cooks better and faster, mm-hmm. so it doesn't give that. For me, when 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 you say faster, that's important because you don't cook your pizza so correct. Much. Yeah, and also it does not give that flavor of like you know that uncooked baked flour. Mm-hmm. That's something I really do not like in pastries, uh-huh. and you find it quite often. Uh, we've talked about this many times on the baked product and everything. It's the same thing when you're using a starch to be a binding agent. It has to be cooked all the way. Otherwise, you taste that bitterness from the flour or the, or the uh, uh, thickening agent. And, and to me, it's not a flavor I like. So I like when it cooks all the way. And arrowroot seems to be, for me, seems to be the best out of all those um, thickening agents. And if somebody's reading a recipe where it calls for cornstarch or for tapioca starch or whatever... Is the arrowroot a one-to-one uh, substitute? Do you know? I would have to double-check that. I don't remember. I'm sure we can find that out yeah. online or something. I'm sure you can find that as a translation. Uh, what about, let's take peaches in a savory direction. So, Other than shallots and thyme, what are you going to add to them? <laughs> well, I love pickling uh, peaches. Do you? Yeah, but not in a, in a very light pickling. So you can add it to salad. So, for example, grilled uh, leftover grilled chicken. You know, when I grill chicken, I don't just grill chicken for the meal. I grill chicken for the next few meals because I love having grilled chicken in my fridge and Mm -hmm. make a salad or whatever, especially this time of year. It's so much easier to open the fridge and take some grilled chicken and crumble it into a salad than it is to having to turn on the grill again and grill some more chicken. Mm -hmm. Peaches come to mind when you're making a grilled chicken salad, especially one that's got nice spice on it. You know, rub with love kind of spice on it. It's really nice to have a, pick, a light pickled peach to add to that salad because it creates that, you know, that thing that you always look for, kind of umami idea where you have the sweet on one side and the sour, mm-hmm. and then you have the spice on the other side. So the two together with maybe some toasted almond, uh, a nice little rice vinegar added to that, or the brine from the uh, peaches added to that. And then you make that and toss that into a beautiful salad with fresh herbs, tarragon, basil this time of year. Pick that from the garden, add that to the salad and put that on top of mixed green or just regular lettuces, good lettuces from the garden as well. And you have this wonderful salad, some grilled bread. Well, that's where I was going to head when Pam asked, uh, how would you use peaches? For me, uh, on that, on a charcoal grill, because it doesn't work as well on a gas grill. You don't get the flavor. But when you... Hard char a bread on a, a charcoal grill. It picks up the smoky flavor mm-hmm. very quickly. And then uh, I like taking ricotta and whipping it. Like yeah. you can do it right in your cuisinart. You can do it however. Better substitution to cottage cheese, I say. <laughs> much, much better. And uh, so I whip the, whip the ricotta up real light. Uh, then I put that on my charred bread, fresh cracked, black per- cracked pepper, uh, fresh sliced peaches, 
any sort of little uh, herb like anise hyssop or tarragon or any and sort of a good extra virgin olive oil just a drizzle right over top. And some people like to put honey on, but to me, with peaches are so sweet. Oh yeah, no, you don't need to add the honey. Little chopped toasted pistachio or hazelnut. Pecans. Pecan. Pecans. Pecans. Pecans and peaches. <laughs> really? Well, that's because you're a Georgia girl. You, yeah, you like I, think, combo. I think toasted almond is also a good match. I mean, to me, as a child, the memory of peaches is peach melba, which is half peaches. You take the peaches, you cut them in half, you blanch them in a, in a, you poach them in a syrup, light syrup, put them upside down, put a towel on it so they're submerged, and then you skin them out, <coughs> and you put that... Once it's cooled off, you take them out of the juice. And once it's cooled off, you put that on top of vanilla ice cream with raspberry, coulis, mm-hmm. and toasted yes, almond please. and a big whipped cream on top. Now, that's a dessert. I never quite understood <laughs> the whipped cream on ice cream. Me neither, but you can ask my wife. She put whipped cream on everything. Really? Double she's, lusciousness. Oh, she's like, vanilla ice cream and whipped cream, best thing in the world. And if mm. you were going to make a peach salsa, what kind of uh, life... Span would that have in your refrigerator? Four or five days. Yeah, yeah. I, I would say at least four or five days. My f- favorite peach salsa I ever made was a peach sambal. So kind of an Indonesian sambal with the hot chili paste and, mm-hmm. the, oh, and the sweet peaches. A little yes. combination like on roasted duck or yeah. roasted chicken or something like that. Yeah. So look up any sort of sambal recipe and then just add peaches to it. So mm. It's a good combination. So delicious, you made me want some peaches. I know it. Let's I'm going to move to the country. <laughs> and then, you know what I'm going to do then? I'm uh, going to eat me a lot of peaches. Oh, yes. Coming like up in song. our second hour at the height of the produce and grilling season, we combine two on, the, on an ode to salad niçois. And, of course, we play Rub With Love, Food for Thought, Tasty Trivia. On Cairo Radio, it's the Hot Stove Society Show, 97.3 FM. I'm moving to the country, I'm gonna eat me a lot of peaches. I'm moving to the country, I'm gonna eat a lot of peaches. Finally made up my mind, so here I am just a grilling and chilling. My favorite kind of town killing. No running, just sunning and getting my all right, here we go. Hour number two on Cairo, Hot Stove Society, beautiful hotel, Andrea. Come do a staycation with us. We'd love to have you. As a matter of fact, on Pam's, in honor of Pam's last day. Oh, no. Oh, no. no. <laughs> We're going to give her a phone number, and you can call her and tell her how great she is. Pam is offering the room in the basement of her house for a staycation. And she is going to cook you a dinner with a whole lot of peaches. And, um, and bake you a cake she never done before. <laughs> what do we? What do people have to do to win this prize? <laughs> Four hundred hours of gardening. There you go. So it is Pam's last day. We've been enjoying uh, some memories and enjoying uh, the idea that she's going off to a job that she has dreamed about, uh, helping our fellow citizens down there in the Pike Place Market at the Senior Center and Food Bank. If you want to uh, make Pam super happy on her last day, send a donation. In the, in the name of the Hot Stove Radio Show, uh, that uh, we appreciated her last year and a half as our producer, and send a donation. Um, well, you can send it to me personally. <laughs> no, send a donation to the Senior Center or to the Food Bank, and uh, say thanks, Pam. Thanks for a year and a half of deliciousness on the Hot Stove Society Radio Show. Thank All right. You. In honor of Pam, we're going to do two segments on 
grilling vegetables uh, this summer because I think it's people have this idea that you can only do kind of long flat things like an eggplant right. or a mushroom or something on the charcoal grill and there's so much more that can be done. So I'm going to lead off okay. with an area that Pam didn't really take in. Well, maybe I, I have one thing I want to talk about is at one time during those two segments is grilled onion because I had a revelation oh. last night which I couldn't believe I didn't have a revelation of well, that let's, before. Well, let's just start right there. Go, go for go. it. So, you know, I, when I grill, like yesterday... I don't I, know when you grill. I, I grilled some chicken yesterday, but when I grill, I always, you know, Kathy and I, we always get a bunch of vegetables because I love grilled vegetables as well. We love grilled vegetables. Usually it's a combination of onions and it starts with onion always. So half onion cut horizontally and uh, just a little bit of rub on it, a little bit of olive oil. And then I grill my onion that way. But the problem with grilling onion is when, you, when they're half like this, is when you try to flip them, they always come apart, especially once they start get cooking because they get shrinking in size. Put a so skewer through them. The ring, that was my revelation. <laughs> I was like, I can't believe I never thought of this before. Put skewer through it. I was like, duh. <laughs> so I thought I was like, I need to say this on the radio so people can save... They're onion rings instead of going through the grill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, world famous chef admits he just learned. About I know, I know. It's like it was onion. a dumb moment where I was like, I felt like I was going to hit my head against the concrete. So to me, there's two ways when you grill onions on your charcoal grill. You can get it to that. You know, when you set your fire up to do direct heat, correct searing a steak, like as hot as you can get your grill heat. To me, you can do the same with an onion, correct, and blacken the outside rings of the onion which leaves the center ring still a little bit al dente. Right. And you pull it, and that's an onion that has a different kind of texture, right? It's, it's super nice Correct. And, and lovely, uh, compared to, say, a browned onion, which is really soft and mushy all the way through. Correct. So j- there's lots of different ways to handle the onion along with its texture. Well, one thing I do is I char, like you say, I char first, and I char not to burn. I char to give it a nice char. Uh-huh. And then I, I flip it, and I put it on the side of my grill, so it keeps cooking. I want it to be still have a little give on the inside, but I don't want it to be mush. That's the stage I'm looking for. So I keep cooking it a little bit longer, then I remove it. That's interesting because you can't temp it like you. But right. I, that, I think, is my most important takeaway from my time with you guys is temping my proteins. Yeah. But what about how are you going to test that? My favorite part about that, you've been our producer for a year and a half. <laughs> I've been telling you that for 45 years. <laughs> And I'm glad that it finally sunk in in the last year <laughs> before your seventh decade. Yeah. yeah. Uh, thanks for that. So how do you know? <laughs> well, it's because well, sa- you finally it's, bought me one of the fancy It's the same as everything else. It's a little bit of practice. I mean, I've had many soft like onion. That were, I've had many onion that were softer than I wanted them. And I've had a few onion that were under. But you start by knowing, you know, the texture and you know when to pull. And if you pull too early, the good thing is you can plastic wrap the, the dish and it will keep, the heat will keep cooking the onion and it will be perfect by the time you get it to the table. Mm. So one of the things I don't think people uh, have at home enough is a, like a basket to put on their grill, right? right? So that you can do smaller pieces or uh, for me, it's a great way to do a, a quick wilted escarole. Yeah. Those are the kind of things that can happen on the grill to me that add a ton of flavor. But you're not over. It's not like you're stewing the escarole or like right. like you right. would collard greens or something. 
No, you're just doing over a really intense fire, just that you know hot sear. But the basket is really helpful with pair of tongs. You just toss Correct. it around in your basket; it doesn't fall through your grate or anything. Uh, but I do think there's some tools that we're missing at at home to make our grills more versatile. I have two tools for my grill. One is those baskets for vegetables, small pieces, or mushroom, or things like this. It's much easier for mushroom. And then the other one is a planchard, and I put it on my grill. It fits exactly mm. on my 22-inch Weber, uh, a planchard. And I love using that planchard for, like, if I'm doing something that's more, like, flat, like a little Yeah, but cake. you don't get any smoke, then. Well, no, you do, because you close the lid. The, the smoke is still around. You okay. still get that smoke, you know, especially if you're doing, like, crab cake, mm-hmm. or you're doing something of that nature. You do that planchard, you get it warm, put a little bit of oil, put your cake in there, close the lid, and you get a light smoke that's rotating through the dome of your Weber, so you still get a little bit. You don't get the, you don't get the brown char that you get from the flame being right there, mm-hmm. but you do get that heat, and you get that searing from that plancher because that plancher is iron, cast iron, so when it's hot, it's hot. So Pam has put together a whole list of things she would like to talk about on these, uh, uh, on these grilled vegetables, and in the next segment, uh, you're going to lead that discussion, Pam, because some of them um, are just like... A no-brainer, like zucchini, grilled zucchini, oh, yeah, grilled corn easy. on the cob. But maybe there's some items that aren't typical on the grill that maybe we could talk about in the next one. Like you have down here, charred cabbage tossed toss with cucumber. Where the hell did that come from? <laughs> charred did, did cabbage. You, I was trying to honor your love of cabbage. With I do love cabbage, but tossed with cucumber? Yeah. Okay. So, you, so you've got the char and then the brightness of the rice vinegar cucumber. And to really liven it up. You know, it sounds delicious when you say it that way. It just yeah. doesn't, read as, doesn't quite read that way. Um, gotcha. But we're going to talk about that when we come back. It's the second episode of Grilling to Perfection, Your Summer Produce. On Cairo Radio, Hot Stove, 97.3 FM. Okay, here we are. We're grilling vegetables here this summer. There's so many out there. It's time to take advantage of the harvest. And Pam, you have some uh, some thoughts on vegetables that maybe aren't typically grilled, but you think would make good summer exactly. grilling. Like what? So tell well, us. Well, I... I want everybody to look this article up because it um, was from Epicurious, and the article came out on July 5th, and it's the 41 best vegetarian grilling recipes for everyone in the whole yard. <laughs> and it's just, it, it's super inspirational. And the first one that really attracted me was whole cauliflower with miso mayonnaise. Because uh, this year I fell in love with everything miso. And so it starts, um, this is an unusual twist because the cauliflower does need to be pre-steamed. I think a couple weeks ago we talked about onions and I told you I usually blanch my onions right. before I put them on the grill because right. I'm afraid that... Which is like, <laughs> which is like no more, right? You but I don't do it anymore. Okay, good. I was humiliated. But with cauliflower... 
to get this the kind of crispness, you you really need to. No, but the ho- no, you don't. Absolutely <laughs> not. Absolutely. No, no, no. I'm just that, saying that's a style, but you don't need to. Correct. No. You don't need to. It you can roast a whole out. head of cauliflower just like you can roast a turkey. It would dry out like no. crazy. No. That's why you have the miso dressing for it. Exactly. Dork. <laughs> I think everything about this, uh, the whole article, was the treatment of the sauces and dressings. Mm-hmm. Right. So it really takes the vegetables up to ethereal status. Right. <laughs> and I guess all we're saying, all I think, Chef, not to speak for you, but all we're saying is don't believe everything that... That Bon Appetit No, no, no. It's, it's that, that's one way to do it. Right. Okay. And there's plenty of other ways. Just because it says steam at first doesn't mean you have to. And, and if you're afraid that the whole head of cauliflower is going to dry out, cut it in half. It's not going to dry out. It's 70% water. I know. I know. It's, yeah. I know it's not going to dry out, but yeah. I'm saying if you want some help on that, you can cut it in half. And, and so on cook. the miso dressing, is it, uh, do they brighten it uh, with fresh yeah. herbs and vinegars? Because miso can be intense and heavy. Right. It's um, uh, a vinegar-based hot sauce. Okay. In with the miso, soy, mayonnaise, fr- a lot of fresh lemon juice, and scallions. So you, make, okay. you, you heat that dressing up. Uh, after you've steamed and then grilled your cauliflower and toss it. You heat the mayonnaise? No. no yes, yeah, you, you, war- you warm the ingredients in the dressing. Well, there so you you're go. right. Maybe Bon Appetit takes a completely different approach. It's just a different approach. Yeah, 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 so. yeah. What other ones piqued your interest? Uh, well, I knew this would uh, appeal to Thierry, the eggplant with harissa. Oh, yeah. Come on. I saw that. That's, that's, a, that's a classic. It, is it... Well, I mean, harissa and eggplant are both uh, North African and Moroccan specifically yeah. uh, dishes that you can have there. Uh, the eggplant is used tremendously, and they have those smaller eggplants that are super delicious. And what do they do with them? Are they cooking them over fire? Yeah. Okay. Cook over fire and then Are they sliced. putting a dark char on them at all? Yeah. It's dep- they have different styles. They have the one where they cook whole. Uh-huh. Like the globe kind of idea where right. you cook it whole. Or it's more baba ganoush? Get, do you, do they yeah, use it? get the meat out. Okay. Once it's cooked, or they have the one where they're sliced and char, and you serve that into a salad. You can mix it with uh, all kind of fresh herbs. They use mint, cilantro, um, um, basil. You have even seen basil. Parsley is big. And a little vinegar and harissa. And that's really delicious. And is the harissa mixed with the herbs, or is it put on always just out <laughs> of the jar? It's on the side. On the side, yeah. Yeah. So they have the dish, and then you eat that, and you just dunk into the harissa. And it's so really good. delicious. Uh, and, Tom, for you, I thought the uh, king trumpet mushrooms on uh, grilled bread uh-huh. and then making a pecorino-based salsa verde. Because then you could do your beautiful mixed uh, big-leafed herbs against all that crunchy grill flavor. Yeah, and mushrooms, like the trumpets, don't have a lot of their own flavor, so what the flavor they do have when you get done right. will be really uh, good charcoal flavor to go with. Smoky, yeah. Yeah, to go with that uh, pecorino. So pecorino is often very salty. So Sheep's salty. milk cheese. And you it. just have to be very careful of how you use it and not over-salt with extra salt. Yeah. Yeah. But on a mushroom, that's a great contrast. Perfectly fine, yeah. Perfectly good combo. Um, they didn't have any broccoli grilling, but you're the king of broccoli. <laughs> what would you... Well, we make it here all the time in our class here, the, uh, the old Cantina Lenya broccoli salad, the hard char. And that can happen on, in a cast iron pan 
or if you want it smoky, you just do it over that intense heat. I think sometimes we often talk about indirect cooking yeah. so much, but with vegetables, you really kind of want that intense side of the fire. Right. And you just and you can't really walk away. I mean, most vegetables, you have to stay there. It's not like, uh, you know, like when I do my chicken, I walk away. Mm-hmm. But when you, do, when you do direct hit and you do vegetable, you got to stay on top of it. So it's an easy rotation, and you get your nice char, and it cooks fairly fast. And if it's not completely cooked, just put it on the side where there's, no, where there's heat but no flame, and it will finish cooking. So, again, this is easy to do for lettuces, cabbages. You know, we talk about all those leafy vegetables. It's very easy to do for that. I bought ingredients um, for uh, beet, burrata, and cherry combo. Mm-hmm. I've never done beets on the grill, but I think the method that you just talked about is going to be important to get well, them beet, Are you talking beet, the vegetable, or beet green? The vegetable, Veg- the root. Okay, you the just, root. Yeah, 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 you just put them on the roast. You roast yeah. them like you would anything, and then just rub off the charred skin, and then you've got a, a roasted... Uh, yeah. Beet, but I never, you know, that seems to be over the last ten years very popular. That beet and cherry combination, right? I don't get it. They're both not, red. It's not my They're both sweet. Yeah, it's not my thing either. It's not yeah. to me. I don't think there is a high contrast on if you have a true earthy sweet beet and you have, you know, a, a, a big cherry. There's is a that lot of dramatic enough. The difference, yeah, Correct. but it's become a very popular com- it is. You know, combination. And of course, with black pepper, it makes everything better. But um, no, of course, I, if you pickle one of the two, now that the, would make it more interesting. Either the yeah. beets or the cherry, then that becomes that's a good idea. Pickle then that the becomes cherry. A different, different I don't want to miss out. You have sweet potatoes down, and I think I that's know. an underutilized grilled vegetable. I love sweet potatoes. So how where, how would you do them on the grill? I I was thinking planks. Yeah, I like, for sure. I, I planks is very good because or it, baked, but it yeah. chars the most of it. Again, you're looking for putting on the grill to have some char and some flavor. So anything you're going to put on the grill whole is going to be on the, on the outside, and most likely you're going to get rid of the skin because it's burned. So you don't want to do it like that. You want to slice it. Ah, did you hear that? Uh, you hear Chef right there? Yeah. <laughs> you know, Chef. If it's cold burned? Fire, cold fire sweet potato. So you take a sweet potato, you bake it all the way, so huh? it's still soft and it's all done completely. Then you take that very same sweet potato, and you literally put it in the coals, and you char the crust of the sweet potatoes. Mm. It is so good. Uh, it, it, they're a revelation. As a kid, we say. used to put those big potatoes into the ashes while the goat was running above. Yeah, baby. And the beans were in the clay pot. And you put those potatoes in, the, we call it ash potato. Mm-hmm. And you put them in there and you come back two, three hours later. And you have a nail that you put into the potato when you start. So the nail they, is to help run the heat through the center, right? Right. Yeah. Man, those potatoes were the best. And, and to give you lead poisoning. With that, you know what? You got to die from something. Exactly. <laughs> That's always what my mom Let says. It be a sweet my potato. mom always says, "Well, you got to die from something. I <laughs> might as well be a good sweet potato." <laughs> With a lot of butter on There's it. There's a lot of something that spike, butter. <laughs> that spike running through the roof of your mouth might kill you. <laughs> oh, did anybody say that? Remove the nail before you. Remove eat. the nail before you. <laughs> Pinnacle of summer food coming up: salad niçoise. Yeah, and I look at this as being a farewell meal to our friend Pamela because she loves a good salad niçoise. On Cairo Radio, it's the Hot Stove Society Show, 97.3 FM. Your mother is so stupid.
kid that she goes to Barney's rooftop deck restaurant for lunch and orders a Niswa salad and calls it a Nikoi salad. I don't know if you mind, but would you like the sauce in the salad or the sauce on the side? The sauce in the salad or the sauce on the side? Hey, it's the Hot Stove. We're back in the kitchen. We're having fun on, on uh, Pamela's last day as our producer. We were wishing her well in her new job of the executive director of the Pike Place Market Senior Center and Food Bank. Um, we'll go down there and see her sometime. Maybe we can cook something at the Senior Center. Would be yeah. awesome. Oh, sometime. Brenda would love that. Yeah, that would be fun. Yeah. yeah. Is Brenda your boss? She's our kitchen manager. Oh, okay. She runs a tight she ship. Can be, okay. She can be her boss. She's the boss. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, Pam, uh, you had one meal to choose for your last meal on our show, and you chose, uh, what do you, how do you say it, Chef? Salad Niswas. What happened to the la? La Salad Niswas, if it was written down. I can't believe but, I had to correct you. I know. I can't believe you did either. <laughs> no, it's La Salad Niswas, yes. The Salad, the Niswas Salad. Okay. So, Pam... Uh, do you like a traditional salad when Terry and I make you our, your goodbye lunch? Yes. And I, um, I was thinking about it because last weekend we went up to Hansville to Point No Point to visit the Dow family. And it was a big parcel of adults and kids. So it had to be an easy plated lunch. And it was a combined effort of Peter on the grill with this gorgeous tuna, beautiful loins, and uh, Peggy in the kitchen prepping all the vegetables, but they did the classic with the green beans, the hard-boiled egg, tuna, potato. Roasted red tomato. pepper, no doubt. No, tomato. red pe- pepper. Tomato? A little tomato. But it was visually, it's just so visually satisfying. So it's funny because you just called it a classic, and in the classic, it's only tomato and uh, anchovies or uh, tuna oh. and um, hard boiled egg and lettuce. No potato? There is no green beans, no potatoes in Niswa Salad. Classic, original. However, in the last 50 years, chefs have enhanced that in different places. And personally, I love green beans. I cannot do Niswa without green beans and olives. Olives. And, and tomatoes. Olives. But Niswa, I'll also swear it gets its name, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Originally, there is no green beans and potatoes, which has been added to the salad niswas over the period, but originally there is none of that in the salad niswas. It's just tuna or anchovies. Depends because in, in Nice they have both from the from the Mediterranean, and they get the so those other the fish, the local fish originally, and as it came along, it was all confit and it was all in the can. So anchovies in the can or tuna in the can, and tomato, and um, hard boiled egg, olives, green lettuce. And those were the components of the Niswa salad. Well, how do you make it now? I had haricot vert. I had potato. Those are the components and I add to my... Oli- to, my uh, um, to the classic. Classic, yeah. yeah. And I do a lemon olive oil dressing. Um, originally, I think it was just little... Dr- I don't remember what the original dressing of the Niswa was originally. But I always I made a mustard vinaigrette for it. Yeah, I do mustard and lemon juice. That's what I do. And olive oil. That's my dressing for my... Uh, uh, this was. So, Pam, do you like tin fish better, or do you like the fresh tuna on the grill? Uh, this was my favorite way, to have it come fresh off the grill. Fresh tuna off the grill. But uh, um, more commonly, I, I have made it with a high-quality canned yeah. tuna. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we've, we used to do that, Lule. We used to do the fresh tuna, too, on the, on the salad. This wasn't 
I, I think it, if you can have fresh tuna, especially here, we have beautiful albacore, you know, very close by. If you can get a, your hand on a good fresh piece of tuna, it is definitely a good way to have an Iswas salad. I don't care if in the can is traditional. <laughs> if you can get fresh, it's always good. Um, I like salmon, too. It's, I do, it's too. That's popular what I to have a, a salmon niçoise. Yeah, I the think opening of a Cafe Sport. I, did the, I don't know if you remember our niçoise salad that had the uh, lavender little flowers in our dressing, in our mustard vinaigrette on the salmon niçoise. So. Very much an homage. My favorite is when people would come in and say, I'll have the Nicosie salad, please. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my God. <laughs> the owner of the restaurant came in one day and said, I really like that salmon Nicosie. <laughs> Did you um, use anchovy? That seems to be the very controversial element, and I think it's imperative. Well, it's not, it's not always in it, but it, like I said, in Nice, classically, it was either all, uh, anchovies or tuna. What's the it's the protein. It's right. not it's a garnish. It's the protein. Like we like or the, the dressing. Well, you could put some well, in the dressing, you, I guess, but I'm some. just saying the way you talked about it, the anchovy was instead of the tuna. It oh, wasn't. No. It's like, you know, you have I your choice. I want both. Which, by the way, <laughs> brings me up to, uh, since we're celebrating Pam's last day producing the show, the biggest fib I ever heard Pam say on this show. Speaking of canned tinfish. Yeah. Tell. Uh, wasn't it you who said you love to get up in the morning and have oh, yes. herring on your <laughs> canned herring on your avocado toast? Wasn't that you who said that? So well, just I, so you know, and I then went, you have it every morning. So just so you know, I went to spy on her. None of that. None of it's wasn't yogurt. That you who said that? It's yogurt yeah. and cereal and <laughs> none of this. Yeah, she it pulled that out sorry. one day. I about <laughs> fell over. We were, we were both like, I about fell over in my, uh, and I don't even sit down. I just, just yeah. Sardines on avocado toast, and you have it every morning. Oh, my God. She doesn't even eat breakfast. I know. Mike was horrified when he listened to that show. Okay. It was lunch. Oh. And with corn chips. Perfect. Okay. That's, yeah. that's moving forward. Yeah. Uh, but back to the anchovies. What I was thinking it would be a nice touch is to make an anchovy dressing and just use it on the potatoes uh-huh. and the green beans. Sure. And everything else that's simple, either mustard vinaigrette or lemon oil. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure what you're saying when you say anchovy dressing. You know, the closest thing I can think of is like a Caesar salad dressing. But, yeah. That's but I think, think of this particular salad as... Needing a somewhat light dressing, so a heavy kind of anchovy dressing doesn't mix for me right. with this particular salad. I don't know how you feel about no, it. lemony, beautiful, fragrant olive oil. You know, that's that's originally the classic is originally light dressing. Mm-hmm. It's not, you know, since then it got changed to uh, some chefs have done red wine vinegar dressing, like vinaigrette, not dressing, but vinaigrette. So there's no binder, it's just olive oil and red wine vinegar, salt and pepper. That's been a common one to be used in, in uh, like if you go in countryside in bistros in France, if you order a salad niçoise, you will often get hard boiled egg, your canned tuna or fresh tuna. It's r- rare to find fresh tuna. It's canned tuna, your olives, your lettuce is underneath, and the dressing will be like a red wine what vinaigrette. What do they do in the, the, the countryside of Ballard? <laughs> Probably put a I don't know <laughs> put a seal, seal as a side garnish. <laughs> no, uh, I'm not sure, but uh, yeah. And fresh anchovies is very rare, but 
Um, I've never had a salad and this was with fresh anchovies. So that I don't, would be wonderful, though. That would well, be great. They don't last very long once they're caught. They, no, they, but they go you, you know, throw them on the grill the day of and then make a salad and this was with that, and that would be delicious. Now, if you go to Portugal, that is definitely something you can have because they have anchovies galore and sardines. You could have Sounds lunch. Like I you could have there. lunch there. <laughs> you could but have it, breakfast and lunch. I th- uh, talking about uh, vinaigrettes and dressings, though, I always think of Alice Waters because she was so adamant about keeping your dressings really light. Yeah. And um, we got some beautiful butter lettuce at the farmer's market yesterday. So last night I just had this uh, so delicate, the butter lettuce. And I restrained myself and just did lemon and a beautiful olive oil. You know, that uh, Vignalta herb salt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, mic the, drop. Mic drop, huh? So good. That's nice. So good. Yeah, some fresh herb. I mean, right now you get tons of beautiful fresh herb either on the market or, I mean, in my backyard I get, again, tarragon, basil, parsley, all those different oil, um, ba- um, herbs. You know, you grab a few leaves, you just chisel them and then put that into your dressing and instantly... Those render instantly, and you have wonderful flavor to add to your whatever you're doing, your protein, your vegetables, your salad, your greens. So it's a very easy thing to make, go one level up, and it's easy to enhance that way. So delicious. We had a nice little experience at the uh, Ballard Farmer's Market this last weekend where we were out on the road. We got there at about quarter to nine. They open at nine. We parked in the front row. We walked down. All the places were open already, but there was nobody there. Wow. We had a crepe. Like, we were the first person at the crepe stand, so we had a little crepe to kind of start the walk. And what an enjoyable experience that was compared to sometimes when you're there. Oh. And dog lovers are going to hate me for this, but, God, there's so many dogs there. Please it's, don't bring your dog to my camp. Yeah, I don't know what to say about that. I'm just, maybe I'm just not a dog person, but with the humanity and everything going on, it seems like there's a lot of dogs there. And strollers. And, well, yeah. Strollers, I think you have to expose your kids to Did that. you see the new raclette stand? Cute, some cute young kids are doing raclette there. Really? No, I did not. Yeah. I would have. I would have taken it. I know. That's what I had for breakfast. All right. Up, up next, it's Rub With Love, Food for Thought, Tasty Trivia, right here on the Hot Stove Society Show, 97.3 FM. What do you do with the salads and scrambled eggs? A world full of circles and gold square pegs. It's time for the Food for Thought Tasty Trivia Challenge right here on the Hot Stove. Brought to you by Rub with Love Spice Rubs, a line of rubs and sauces that uh, will open up your options for creating new flavors and new flavor profiles. Uh, You can purchase Rub with Love locally at PCC Markets, Town & Country Markets, Fresh Fish in Ballard. I know they have our fish taco rub. I love our fish taco rub. Uh, Pacific Northwest Shop in Tacoma and Seattle, or visit us at Seatown, Serious Pie Ballard here at the Hot Stove, or online, or wherever you like to shop, generally. Anywhere in this country. Uh, yeah, we have the number one selling salmon rub in the world. If you haven't tried it, you're not cool. 
That's all there is to it. That just, that You're just puts not a cool. fine point on it. Uh, Pamela, how do we play this game? And uh, tell us who's going to win your last trivia challenge. <laughs> Jim and Margaret. Jim and Margaret. <laughs> Thanks before, for that. Now we I love how we announce the winner before we play. <laughs> oh, that's right. We haven't played. That's <laughs> uh, each of the contestants is getting five questions. They're kind today. They're soft. Really? Fruit and vegetable themed. So if we get them wrong, we're really going to feel like <laughs> yeah. bad about ourselves. No, we're really going to feel the pain. Yeah. All right, let's start. Go right. right ahead, Pam. We're going to start with a multiple choice. Do Jim and Margaret get a uh, gift shop in our shop? Gift shop? To shop in our gift shop? Yeah. They're going to just want veggie rub. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> the natural fiber... I, I always said qua, but I think it's coir, coir, used for rugs and upholstery padding, pa, uh, padding is from what fruit? You know, it's, uh, is it kiwi, coconut, or persimmon? Oh, coconut all the way. Exactly. Number two, what kind of fruit is a grenache? Uh, it's a grape. You are off to such a strong and stunning start today, Chef in the Hat. Uh, Savoy is a famous type of which vegetable? It's an hotel in London. <laughs> Very famous. Very famous. It's a cabbage? It's a cabbage. And true or false, a pineapple is a type of berry. False. It's true. Pineapples are not a single fruit, but a group of berries that have fused oh, together. Yeah, 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 that's true. I knew New that too. knowledge. I did oh, not know this. I didn't know that. I didn't know this. But it's, it's from the Plumeria family, right? What do you call it? The, the pineapple family? No, it's, it's, it's from the a orchid flower. Fairy? Yeah, Bromelade. I think so. Bromelade. Huh? Bromelade. Thank, Thank you. you. Oh, see, Margaret, oh, we got screwed. the right. <laughs> <laughs> You're I got the right question because she would have won. <laughs> Give Next. him a lifeline. And finally, what sort of fruit is a kumquat? What family is it in? Citrus. Drill down a little. Okay, it's uh, kumquat is a cut between, uh, if I had to call it, between a uh, lemon and a tangerine. And, uh, uh, it's an orange. orange. <laughs> I said orange. Okay. Said orange. Four out of five. Four out of five. Oh, my God. Yes. What a start. Jim and Margaret, multiple choice to start. And the only choice is five out of five. <laughs> uh, Tiny Tim is a variety of which fruit? An orange, a tomato, or a plum? I think it's a tomato. You wow. are correct. You are right. Tomato? I thought it was a plum. Tiny Tim's a tomato. Uh, which part of... Um, the celery do we often eat? Do you want a multiple choice or? We eat the stem, but Correct. we also eat the seed as ah, bonus seasoning. points. <laughs> Six out of five. <laughs> Six out of five. <laughs> I'm glad Jim brought you today for many reasons. True or false, uh, kohlrabi is part of the mustard family. <laughs> no, you got it. <laughs> Come on, no dead air. I don't it's only true or false. It's 50% chance. No, it's part of the cabbage film. True. It's true. Jim, Jim nailed it. And four, uh, kale is a variety of which vegetable family? <laughs> the mustard family. <laughs> 
You got this one, Jim. We only have a two-hour show. <laughs> <laughs> we need multiple choice. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> is it... Is this how we play? Is it the kale, the cabbage, or the kale family? Right. <laughs> cabbage. Cabbage. Yeah. Exactly. Beautiful. Four out of four. And finally, Alberta is a variety of which fruit? Talked That's about. a peach. It's a peach. Oh, five six out of five. Out of five. <laughs> six out of five. Beautiful. Tom, Tom? Douglas, what kind of fruit is a Morello? It's a cherry. It's a cherry. Um, and which of the following fruits is not part of the rose family? Avocados, cherries, apricots. Both avocados and cherries have pits in them. So does the avocado. I would say the cherry. Avocados. Avocados. Mm-hmm. Watercress belongs to which family? The people of all earth, the family <laughs> earth. You can find it in every little drainage ditch and sidewalk in the world. I love harvesting it on little yeah. creeks. Yeah. It is part of the mustard family. Yeah, see what I said. And mustard is part of the world. Number four, what kind of vegetable is a ch- chantonet? Am I saying it correctly? Chantonet. It's a uh, fabulous ale made by the, the, <laughs> ab- the Vegetable Abbey of France. It is a very desirable carrot variety. Mm, absolutely. I love them. And which gas is produced by most fruits, this is multiple choice, when they start to ripen? Methane, acetylene, or ethylene? Depends if you've eaten them or not. <laughs> <laughs> If you've eaten them, it's methane. If they ripen inside of you, that's definitely methane. <laughs> On the counter, which one would it be? Oh, uh, I have no idea. Ethylene. 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 <laughs> How do you do? You did great. One out of six. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, thank you for Jim and Margaret to come be our guest here at the show and to kick my butt. If you want to be part of the show like Jim and Margaret, you can join the community on YouTube Live at Tom Douglas & Co., or buy a ticket to join us in the studio at hotstovesociety.com. The show is produced by Pamela Hinckley for the very final time. We hope she comes back as a guest producer at some point. Sean McFadden is our technical director, and our talented editor at Cairo is uh, editor is Sean Don't Call Me Del Torre. Also, remember, if you miss any episode of Hot Stove Society Show in Cairo, you can listen via podcast. Just subscribe with your favorite podcast app. Thanks for listening. Thank you, Pamela, and au revoir. Au revoir.